You are now tuned in to the December 26er podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Hello, 26ers. Welcome to a new episode of the December 26er podcast. I'm your host, Delisha, and we are back with another interview. This week's guest is Purvis Taylor III. Purvis wears many hats, including award-winning author, inspirational speaker, and celebrity life coach. But what I learned is that there is so much more to him than those titles. During our conversation, Purvis is brutally honest about his own struggles and personal story. And I think that makes for an incredible interview. So take a listen and I hope you enjoy. Purvis. Yes. Welcome to the December 26th podcast. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am awesome. We are going into a holiday weekend. I'm <laughs> yes. not at the office right now. Instead, I'm in this beautiful space in Flatiron talking to you. It is it a is great beautiful. day. This place, cool, this space right? is beautiful. We're big on really nice ambiance and a good environment. I think sexy inspi- Yes, it inspires sexy conversation too. <laughs> in any event, let's jump right into it. Who okay. is Purvis Taylor the third? Purvis Taylor III is an award-winning life coach, uh, speaker, author, facilitator. Um, what else? Boy from Texas, brother, good friend, good man. At least I like to think so. See, I like that because you started, <laughs> you know, you just mentioned before we we pressed record here that, you know, your work is so focused on other people. But I yeah. like that you can stand confidently in who you are. Award-winning author. Listen, I like that. I worked hard for that award. I'm just saying, it's not easy. I've been working on the same book for a while. and Really? Yeah, but that's neither here nor there. So okay. I commend you because you've got more than one book, right? Yeah, I got three. Three. Let's two, jump. Two that I've written in and one that I co-authored. So let's jump right into that. I'm just going to skip ahead since okay. it came up. Tell me about your book. Um, My books are purpose Principles, Volumes 1 and 2. And basically what they are, they're like mini books of inspiration. So mm-hmm. it's like it's like a daily principle to meditate on for each day of the month. So the first book is 30 days and second book is 31 days. Okay. So what inspired you to release part one first? Well, that's an interesting story. So my dad, um, the one of the last conversations I had with him before he passed, he prophesied to wow. me that I'd be doing the work that I'm doing today. And I was like over 14 years ago. And he passed away from a heroin overdose. And, and I remember our, one of our last conversations he was like, yo, you're going to write books and they're going to be international. You're going to help young men. You're going to help people become great. And at the time I was, I was working at, at Def Jam. Def Jam. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what is he talking about? And I just got signed to Wilhelmina model. So I was like, what is he tripping on? Like he's tripping. So I'm like, okay, daddy, whatever. And then, you know, he passes away. And then like, I go through this like deep depression. Wow. And, um, one of the things that kind of brought me out of it, obviously, was my my faith in God. But um, encouraging people that that's something that's always been uh, a, th- a thread line in my life. And um, you know, I just started tweeting. Twitter mm-hmm. comes around. This is like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. And I started tweeting and then people who I used to work for were like, oh, my God, your tweet was so inspiring. So a friend of mine was like, yo, you should write a book of your tweets. And that conversation with my dad came back to my remembrance. And then, like, I just saw um, the book as a mini book. And mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with Janet Jackson. So she has Pleasure Principle. And I was like, well, Purpose Principle. You know what I mean? Yes. So, like, and then I just turned it into a book. And that's how the first one came about. Janet killed it at the Billboard Music Awards. Killed to throw it. that in there. Yeah, let's just throw that in there. Yes. But it. anyway, back yeah. to serious subject. So your father. <laughs> passed away 14 years ago. Yes. So how old were you at the time? I was 24. 
So early in your career, early in the process to go through something so devastating, how do you think that shaped you? You know, it was just something that you just never prepared for, but mm-hmm. you kind of in the back of your mind know that it's going to happen. I mean, I remember being a kid, always praying to God that my dad would come home, mm-hmm. you know, because he would be great. You know, like you have like his stints where he's like really good and then he like falls off the wagon and then it's like you don't see him for two, three days and you're like not even embarrassed. You just want him to be OK. Right. And at that time, he had been clean for a while for I think the longest stint that he had ever been clean. And I guess he just had a moment of weakness. And, you know, when you're 50, your body doesn't bounce back like when it's 30, you know? So that was, I really feel like, you know, they say that, you know, God don't waste nothing in your life. And I think that 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 matured me in a way that I never thought would benefit me later on in life. um, Because in dealing with people who have to deal with grief, right? And and processing that and mourning and things like that. And I just think all of that helps to make me a, a more dynamic coach because I've been through a lot of things that my clients have gone through. But, you know, it's interesting because I, I remember my dad in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a lot of the negativity, you know, even though I know it's there. I just remember him in such a positive way because he was my biggest support system, the biggest cheerleader. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When I, at my graduation, my undergraduate at UM, he was just like, he walked on the stage. I was like, daddy, you can't walk on the stage. <laughs> you like, know, we are extra. Just extra because, you know, that's the one thing he just wanted for his children was to, to you know, graduate from college. I mean, he was a smart man. He was accepted into Stanford. Wow. But, you know, he just made a lot of bad choices, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was, it was, I would think that was like one of the biggest um, impetus, impetuses for, for my growth as a, as a human being. And I think there are two important lessons here. First is everything that happens can be used. Anything in your life, good, bad, or ugly, which I love presenting that message on this podcast can be used and it it is meant to propel you forward in your gift and your talents and your purpose. But also, I think the other important lesson is being open to the message that is being sent to you from God or, you know, some people call it a higher being or what have you, because it can come from anywhere. So even though your dad had this history and may have been battling his demons, he's the one that planted the seed for you to write the book. Absolutely. So I think sometimes we look for validation and confirmation from the people that we think it should come from. Right. Bosses or, you know, the guidance counselor or or this or that. But it can come from those who may not even be moving in the circles that you are. And I'm sure that's you. That's helping you in the work that you do as a coach. Too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I always and I often think I'm, you know, I often say to myself, like, I'm very blessed because I had my daddy at home, mm-hmm. even though he had his issues. I had a father at home who told me every day you're destined for greatness or, or and or I love you. Mm-hmm. You know, so like that's why I say I, when I think about him, I think about him in such a positive way right. because of that, because he did so many things that really have built me up to be the man that I am today. Absolutely. So let's yeah. talk about that transition from the entertainment business uh-huh. to this work that you do now, because entertainment, you know, is, <laughs> is glamorous, is enviable from the outside looking in. Those of us yeah. who've been on the other side of it, we know the real deal. But when yeah. people hear that you've worked for a Def Jam or for the Grammys, it's like, yeah. oh, my God, you know, yeah. everybody wants to be in that inner circle. So what right. spurred you? To make the complete leap? Because you could have said, you know what, I'm going to life coach on the side, but I'm going to keep my day job. What spurred you to move into this space? You know what? Like I said, when my dad passed away, I just kind of like lost all sense of being. Mm-hmm. And I think I was, I, I, I know now that I was in depression for such a long time mm-hmm. and I just probably wasn't thinking straight. But what it did, that period of time caused me to face a lot of demons in my life, face okay. the fact that a lot of the reason why I wanted to be in the entertainment industry was to compensate for the fact that I was bullied every day. Mm-hmm. You know, to show those people like, Look I'm going to make now. it. Look at me now. And thank goodness social media wasn't around then because I would have been stunned hard. (laughs) 
stunting hard body. <laughs> um, you know, like I love music. I love entertainment industry. I love acting. I love all of that stuff that, you know, that God has blessed me with gifts to do. Mm-hmm. But when you find something that really just speaks to like the mo- the molecules in your body, right. you know, that's the thing you hold on to. And that's what coaching was for me. And and then also too, within the entertainment industry, as you know, it's like, it's not what you think it is. It's like, it's not, you know, an outlet for creativity. It's really like paper pushing. So yep. it's like a form, it's like very formulaic. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so we have this marketing plan. This is what we're going to do. Insert artist name and this is how we're gonna roll it out and that wasn't fun for me Mm -hmm. because I was always like why are we putting out Christina Milian why does she look like Beyonce why does she have blonde hair in this video you know what I mean like I'm the one that's like Cadillac Toss sounds like Ja Rule like why 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 are we putting you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so it was just like my voice wasn't heard and I think that was the thing that I needed the most was to have my voice heard Mm -hmm. because everybody has something to say and I think I was trying to figure out what it was that I was trying to say and I knew that it wasn't going to be through entertainment at that time but I'm always open to like, you know, having that door open in some sure. capacity. But at that time, it was like my biggest need was to prove other people wrong. Mm-hmm. It wasn't to be, even though I wanted to be puff, you know what I mean? Which is why I moved to New York because yes. I wanted to be puff so bad. Um, I realized that really the undercurrent need was just to prove to Lancaster, Texas. That validation. I'm validation. Right. And I think that that battle can be ongoing, even yeah. if it's not like a career choice. It can be a breakup. Like yeah. just trying to prove to your ex that you're better and, you know, you yeah. want to glow up after them or just prove to yourself after a failure that, you yeah. know, you can you can be more. So how do you cultivate a sense of peace and a sense of sufficiency within your clients? Because I'm sure the need for validation is something that you see in your practice as a life coach, too. Well, I, I think, it you know, it always has to begin with yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And because many of us deal with a sense of worth. Right. Right. So for me, I realized that I'm worthy because God saw fit for me to be here on earth. Mm-hmm. And so that alone, I'm worthy. The fact that I'm here, that I came out my mother's womb, I'm worthy. Absolutely. And I had to resolve that for myself because I kept looking for it externally and nothing could meet that need within mm-hmm. me. So I realized it has to come from within. Like, and so that's what I teach my clients is like, yo, it begins with you. You have to be on your own team right. because a house divided is going to fall apart. And so many of us, even though we we may like ourselves occasionally, um, most of us don't like and love ourselves. True story. And 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 you have to you have to be you have to do both. You have to love and like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and so that begins with that begins with disrupting the narrative that you believed about yourself because most of us believe a lie and that's usually we're not good enough. Right. Right. And so once you do, the great thing about beliefs is that they can be changed. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have to disrupt that tape, that self-talk that we have. And you disrupt it by countering it with something positive about yourself. No, I'm worthy. Mm-hmm. No, I'm worthy. And, I, and you, you have to sit it and you have to you have to say it till you believe it. Mm-hmm. And so no matter what has happened to me in my life, Delisha, honestly, I have never I've, I've had hell happen to me within the last few years. I've never lost my sense of worth. I never stopped saying I'm the baddest life coach ever. I've never once doubted that no matter what has happened to me because I've ingrained it so much into my brain right. that my circumstances do not have anything to do with my worth. And and so I would never teach my clients something that I myself wouldn't do or or, or not I'm not currently doing right now. Right. And I think the problem that we have as a culture is we live in this microwave society. So yeah, people feel success. like yeah. I'm going to say these affirmations for, you know, a couple of days and put these post-its up and everything's just going to change. And it doesn't always happen It like is a that. process. And that's the thing I teach my clients to be in love with the process, mm-hmm. right? Because you have to... So Viktor Frankl is somebody who I look up to who is invented logotherapy. And, and a little bit about him, he was he survived the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. right? And his whole premise, and he doesn't believe in God or any of the, any of those things, but his whole premise was if you have a sense of purpose for your life, you can make it through anything. And that man survived harsh mm-hmm. conditions like people being gassed, people being starved to death, but he made it through because he had a sense of purpose. So you have to ha- you have to be relentless in this. Like you can't be um, a punk about it. Right. You have to be, you have to take this on head on. And that's the, I think that's the thing is like, we're so comfortable in our dysfunction because that's what we know. That's our safety blanket mm-hmm. and doing something new. That's like the fear of the unknown, but you have to be in love with the unknown. You know what For I mean? Sure. I had to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In order to get to where I'm at, I had to do that. And if I can do it, you damn sure can do it. Absolutely. And I think people are also in love with the dysfunction because it absolves them of responsibility. Absolutely. So if, if you can say, come from a place of like, this is happening to me. This happened. I couldn't control it. Why is my life so bad? If you can hold on to that story, you never have to accept responsibility for the things you're not doing to change. Right. And you were, and you remain in a state of victimization. Right. And nothing ever comes from a state of victimization, nothing but victimization. Ever. Just more victim. Just more victimization. Whatever you behold and whatever you're putting out there, that's Absolutely. what you're becoming at all times. Absolutely. So what do you say when people come to you and they're like, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't have a sense of purpose. What's the message you give to them? Well, I probably don't know what your purpose is either, but Mm -hmm. I know that it's there because I know God don't make mistakes, Mm -hmm. right? And so even if you just hold on, I know at 18 when I was thinking about committing suicide that Mm -hmm. my purpose would be helping others to navigate or unearth their greatness. But I knew there was something and I got curious about it. And that's the thing. We we don't get curious enough. We want answers immediately. Immediately. And so I always tell my clients, embrace your curiosity. Embrace your creativity. Embrace your imagination because that's the thing that's going to get you through. You know, and I've never said this publicly, but I used to envision myself. Remember Michael Jackson video? Remember the time? Yes. Let me tell you something. When I was being bullied and people made fun of me, I just envisioned myself performing on stage doing Remember the Time choreography straight up. <laughs> and those and those were the things that got me through. And I'm not ashamed of it. Right. I'm here today. You know, like you have to embrace your curiosity. Like there's something that you were created to do. Sure. And it may not be big. It may not be Oprah level. And that's mm-hmm. another thing I want to say to people, too, is like her job is filled. That position is filled. Thank you. There's, there's never going to be another Oprah. There's All you can be, be is the Oprah. best you. She's Are still you, she's still playing her position. She's still playing her position. <laughs> that role is occupied and it's going to be occupied to the day she dies. Right. You know what I mean? But your position is occupied as well. Mm-hmm. And you have to embrace that. And I think the thing is we mistake like grand level for like significance. Right. Right. And it's not that. It's about you being a great mother, a great father, a great brother, a great friend, being actualized in so many other ways besides just career. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So that's why you asked who I was. I'm a good man because I'm actualized as a man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I'm a good friend. I'm a good son. I'm a good father. I'm a good uncle. You know what I mean? Like, right. so though I've been actualized outside of my career. And I think as as men, we don't get an opportunity to, to, to do that. For sure you don't. You know, we're only actualizing what our output is. Mm-hmm. How much money we make, what we do for a living. But there's so much more to us than just that. Right. And I think even as women, yeah. you know, when you... Especially as, now. Yeah. As yeah. a woman, when I'm talking to, you know, my girlfriends and somebody has met somebody new. Yeah. First set of questions is going to be, what does what he, he do? do? Exactly. What does he do? So how have you gotten to a point where... 
the money, right? The mm-hmm. salary mm-hmm. is not where your validation comes from or where you find worth because we all know in entrepreneurship that is Listen. ebbs and flows, Listen. peaks and value, values. Feast and family. Yes. So have you gotten <laughs> to that point to ride those waves out? I have. Like I said, mm-hmm. like, you know, as crazy as it's, as it's been, it's like I never I never challenged my sense of worth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, typically, and just being 100, like the women I date, they're typically more successful than mm-hmm. I am financially. Um, but that didn't bother me because I knew who I was. Mm-hmm. And that's why it was cool. Like that was never really an issue mm-hmm. in relationships. Like I've dated doctors, lawyers. Dancers, backup dancers for Beyonce. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, that was never the the thing. The thing that they like was my. I was so comfortable on who I was, regardless of my financial situation. But it, you know, it takes a lot to get there. It's not easy. It is not. Especially it is not, not in this city, <laughs> and especially not in New York City, and especially not being a man of color. Right. Absolutely. So let's take it back to square one when yes. you decided um, I'm going to do this life coach thing mm-hmm. full time. Right. Yeah. How did you take that from an idea to an actual business that pays your bills? Um, it was weird. So I actually spoke on a panel. Um, I spoke on a panel like almost 10 years ago. Somebody there in the audience was like, oh, I like him. And I wasn't on the panel about life coaching at all. It was mm-hmm. about film because I had I had an acting background. And she was like, yo, I'll buy I'll buy 50 of your books if you come speak to my kids. And these were like problem kids. Mm-hmm. And I had never done that before, but I always, you know, but I did have some training as, as a coach, but I, I didn't, I hadn't done it before, mm-hmm. you know, in a public setting. And I went to the school and it was just like, it was groundbreaking. She was just like, what? And then it's like, just turned into like a slow snowball effect mm-hmm. where we're, you know, fast forward to now. But, um, that was the beginning of it. So how do you find clients? Referrals. So it's all word of mouth. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. Cuz that means I'm good. I was just about to say that's a good sign. <laughs> People are re- referring you. And that that actually segue right into my next question. Yeah. I read a a quote like a status update on social media mm-hmm. maybe a year or two ago and mm-hmm. it was life coaches are the new mixtape artists because so yeah, many people true. are claiming that's to true. be that. Like that's true. I took this little class or you know I got some ideas and now I'm a life coach, but I think the pool of people actually living living it and making money off of it as a career is much smaller. Much smaller. So what separates someone who's just calling themselves, you know, a life coach to a really great one? Well, first of all, you got to have clients. Mm-hmm. That's number one. <laughs> <laughs> got to have clients. Um, but you also have to understand you have to have a I believe like I believe like the Lord has equipped people with anointings. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like to be a life coach, you, it's like an anointing, like being a pastor, like being a teacher, like being a lawyer. There's a, there's an anointing that takes place. And you can tell the difference between who just went to law school versus right. who has an anointing to go to law school. I know right. Bad lawyers. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I mean? So um, you have to understand that one size doesn't fit all and you have to be creative. Right. So you have to be I rely on the spirit. Like I, I pray. I'm like, we're going to pray to Jesus mm-hmm. before this session and let that let his spirit guide where we're supposed to go. And a lot of people don't know how to rely on that. Mm-hmm. Like so for me it's like I'm very I'm very discerning as to where to go. Mm-hmm. And because I work with so many different types of people, I'm I'm equipped to handle, you know, like celebrities, which are a lot to deal a with. A whole lot. A whole lot to deal with. And executives and organizations, which are hard to deal with. And then, you know, my young men of color that I work with and everybody in between. Um I guess I, I guess to answer your question is you just have to have a gift mm-hmm. for it. And I and it's not about writing a quote. It's about actually right. knowing how to take somebody through a process, giving them a plan, understanding. So for you, I would have you map out stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But for him, I wouldn't do that. You know Got what I mean? It. So mm-hmm. it's like, I just have to, it's like, you have to understand, you have to trust your intuition. You have to trust your spirit mm-hmm. where to go. 
and just having, um, just like I said, being in tune with your creativity. Because I may have a client do a monologue and they'd be like, what? Mm-hmm. But that's the thing that unlocks them and brings them to the place they need to get to. Right. You so know it's what I mean? Tailoring the it's approach tailoring to the, the approach to the individual. One size, like people are not monolithic. So one size doesn't fit all. Right. So let's talk about those celebrity clients for a bit. Ooh, because having yeah. worked in that business and yeah. dabbled, it is one of the darkest communities I've ever encountered Absolutely. in my life. And it's so glitzy and shiny on the outside. And, you know, as a lawyer and mm-hmm. and advising people who work in the industry, that is where I saw, you know, grown men break down in mm-hmm. tears because mm-hmm. it can break you. Mm-hmm. So why do you think depression and that darkness really runs rampant in the business? Well, because, you know, so many people, are, they 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 link their identity to their success and to mm-hmm. what they do. I think a lot of them suffer with with an identity crisis Mm -hmm. because if you're not, if you're no longer popping, then what does that say about you? Right. You know what I mean? And and so a lot of the celebrities that I work with, that's the challenge that they're dealing with. It's like, you know, I got to do this. I got to. No, you don't. Right. No, you don't. You need to find out who you are. And so and, and for and the challenge with them is also, too, they don't get to be who they really are. True story. And so, like, I tell I even told a young man this. I said, so when you pretend to be somebody, the danger is, is that you forget who you really were mm-hmm. because you can get so what you can get so good at pretending to be somebody who you're not. Or maybe you never even took the time even, to figure or out. Or maybe you even knew you didn't know who you were to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so it's a lot of them dealing with that. And again, it's the validation, what we talked about earlier. A lot of them, you know, people said they wasn't going to make it. You ain't going to be nothing. You ain't right. going to be nothing. And so was that, that need is driving them beyond sound reasoning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's, I mean, there's a myriad of reasons. It's a myriad of reasons why, why they're dealing with depression and things like that. And also too, it's like, you have a lot of yes people around you. A nobody's keeping you, nobody's keeping it 100 with you. Nobody, you know what I mean? You live in a bubble. They're not aware of a lot of things. And that's why I try to tell people, I say, you have to understand in their world, it's very insular. So it's mm-hmm. like, they don't have a chance to like really see life right. the way that we see it. And there are yes people around until you're not popping anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because when... You know, you're not at the top of the charts or you're not really making waves or the the checks start to dry up. Most of those people fall by the wayside, which is honestly what I had. It's heartbreaking. It is. It's heartbreaking to watch. And I and I had been in a place in my career when I was dealing with a lot of people who may have been hot at one point and Mm -hmm. were trying to reinvent themselves via our startup or what have you. Yeah. And that's that's the that's where I typically coach them at with the reinvention spot. And it's just like that is so heartbreaking because it's like no shade. Like a lot of them are like stuck in like 97 or exactly. 98 I'm like yo it's 2018 bro like the way we move today is not the way we move right. back then like yeah so it's yeah so I know that you customize your approach depending mm-hmm. on the person but are, are there any general tips you can give to someone who's in that space where they really need to reinvent themselves um always why Mm-hmm. Why do you want to reinvent yourself? What What are the good things that you have going on right now that don't need to be reinvented? Like, what it, what is your base? Like, because you always have to build on a positive, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't want to reinvent yourself for the sake of acceptance or sure. validation. You have to re- reinvent yourself for the sake of you wanting to reinvent yourself, right? Like an upgrade, mm-hmm. right? So that's the first thing is like being clear as to why you're doing it. And then also to understanding the base, like what are the positive things that you have going on, and and what and what do you think, and being clear about what do you think that reinvention is going to get you? That's a good one. You know what I mean? That is a good one. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I know you mentioned that your process for the last few years, you've gone through some stuff. So that tells yes. me, oh uh, yeah, that your journey has not been linear because people think, no. right? You. 
decide I'm going to start a business. You've I'm been gonna, on TV. Yes, you work with celebrities. Like I've been featured in Black this. Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. Like I've done all that. I made it. I have yeah. arrived. And social media, even if you're not intending to be, right, you know, those to moments present, on social media are real. Right. They're real. But it's like, of course, we don't get on and talk about the, the down days. Right. When so. But so people look at that. Yeah. And they assume that that's all it is. I, and the thing is, I try to because mm-hmm. I never want to present something that's not real. Right. And so like on on Facebook, which I'm not, you know, I, I have more liberty because you can write a post on mm-hmm. Facebook and, you know, Instagram is just a snapshot. Right. But on Facebook, I try to keep it as real as I can, as I, as, as, as I can um, without also like making people look at you differently. You know what I mean? Right. Because if you keep it to 100, they're like, oh, let me let me right. sit, let me cash up him some money. And it's not that's not the, right. <laughs> that's not the case. But I just want to let you know that just because you see me on TV, because I've been in Black Enterprise, because I, you know, mastered from Ivy League school and all those things like that does not mean that I'm not struggling or I don't mm-hmm. struggle at times. So how do you balance that being vulnerable with being a life coach and a source of positivity and motivation and encouragement for your clients? Well, I just, one of the things I teach them is to be, always be honest about where you are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, it's difficult days when you're like, you're waiting on a check and you're like, yo, I just got $2 in the account. Like, how am trying I going to... Trying not to be overdrawn. I'm trying not to be overdrawn, <laughs> right? So you get to that spot, you're like, I just don't want to get overdrawn because I don't want to, I don't want to pay that $35, mm-hmm. you know, overdraft fee. And you're like, you, you, you're getting creative. Like, yo, I got like, I got in my change drawer, I got like seven, $7 in there. So let me go to the bodega and get a sandwich. You know what I mean? Like yeah. all of that stuff. And then having to be present for your client. You know, like I've been through it all. Yes. I've been through it all. And I get, what was your question? I got caught up in that. I was taken back to um, a time. <laughs> no, trust me. And you're taking me back to a time. Yeah. I'm like, I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. But just how do you balance that vulnerability and in, in being honest and candid with being a source of inspiration and encouragement for your clients? Well, I like to be accountable mm-hmm. in that way. So I never like to present something that's, that's not real mm-hmm. because I really care about my integrity. And I'm not a perfect person, but I mm-hmm. like to be honest about who I am behind the scenes as well as who I present myself to be. Mm-hmm. And I hope that they line up. You know, that's Absolutely. my hope is that they match. You know, um, I guess how I find the balance is, you know, just wisdom. Mm-hmm. So share this, but don't share that. Got it. Okay. You know, share that, you, you know, that you struggle, but don't share that you have two dollars in your account. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I like, feel you. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it's just that, like share, like, um, you know, you, you know, getting these checks because that's positive. Right. Mm-hmm. But don't share that. I had to, you know, spend seven dollars and quarters to get a sandwich from the bodega, right. get some chips and a drink. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, don't share that. But you can share that for the people. But I'm not ashamed of anything that right. I've been through. So. And that's why, like, a village is important, too. Like, yeah, that support yeah. my system. Tribe, my tribe, definitely. I keep it 100 with them as much as I can. You got to have the strong tribe here. One of my tribe members is sitting in today. Shout out to my girl, Lori. Shout out to the tribe member. <laughs> yes. She, she has witnessed <laughs> quite a bit that, that I have gone yeah. through. But you got to have those people who, you know, are behind the scenes who will support you that you can go to go to and say, you know what? It's getting real out here. And yeah, I don't know what I'm going to yeah. do, but I just need to talk to somebody about it. Absolutely. But the checks, let's get back to the checks because I like to balance the tactical with the inspirational here. Yeah. And I know we, we have a lot of listeners who are either in business or, or want to be in business. So obviously you make money, you know, as a life coach and fees. Yeah. But are there other ways that you found to monetize your brand? Um, I do professional development. Okay. Because of my uh, clinical psych degree, I, mm-hmm. I, I I understand mindfulness. So I do a lot of mindfulness-oriented workshops. I speak. Mm-hmm. You know, that's actually the best way, honestly, guys. People you don't get realize a, there is money out here. There's money talking. For, for talking. <laughs> 10 minutes of your time, you can get like $5,000. Like, you know, 
Seriously. Truth. Seriously. So speaking, um, professional development, which I actually love, mm-hmm. by the way. I love doing that. Um, currently, I'm doing some workshops with some young men in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and Coney Island. So doing a series, a uh, six-week workshop workshop series with them awesome. on emotional intelligence and things like that. Um, let's see how else do I make money. Book sales, mm-hmm. um, workshops, independent workshops. Cool. Yeah. I mean, you get literally the thing about coaching is that you can make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You just have to know how to like strategically place yourself and you have to the right person just has to know who you right. are you know because there are people who make pulling in a million dollars but i think it's important to point back what you said because some people will hear that like yeah. you can make a lot of money and then they're like i'm about to be a coach not realizing that the gifting has yeah. to be there first you gotta have the gifting yes and you gotta have the evidence right mm-hmm. you know one of the things i always tell people in whatever it is that you do there has to be fruit right absolutely so like i if i have a client who is an actor right if he or she has gotten a callback and a callback, mm-hmm. a second, third callback, I'm going to tell them to stick to acting. Right. I'm going to tell them to stick to it in some capacity because there's evidence, even though mm-hmm. you might not have booked the role, but there's evidence that you have something there. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So like with me, it was like the first client I got, the first client that I had, she was an entertainment lawyer. And fast forward, you know, she's like an in-demand entertainment lawyer. Mm-hmm. She's doing very well. And that's evidence to me because she she was struggling with esteem issues. Sure. You know what I mean? And 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 people who used to cut themselves, you know, cut the, you know, just evidence of people who I've worked with who are doing very well today. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a signpost that you, sh- that you should continue to do that. It may not be full time, but you should continue to do it in some capacity. Right. I call those mile markers. Yeah. The things that show you you are on the right path. And I yeah. think what people get tripped up is like because of the, the peaks and valleys, like yeah. something bad happens. And they're like, I thought this is what I was supposed to be doing. I got a sign. It's like, yeah, you got a sign. It doesn't mean that it's all going to be smooth sailing from there. But if you're getting those little indicators that you're on the right track, just persist. And then even in right persistence mm-hmm. is, 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 is perfect, is a perfect word. Um, you know, but even people who you look up to, they have failures and their Absolutely. failures are much ma- more massive. So mm-hmm. like, if, you know, Jay-Z put out an album and nobody buys it. Yeah, he's still worth have a hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. but that's still a failure right. to him. And he could question if he doesn't know who he is, he can question his sense of worth. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like you do, you know, you have to understand that that's a part of it. Absolutely. Having the failures and but also the bigger thing is like having evidence that you should be doing. It. Absolutely. And it will come even it if it's come. super small in the beginning. There is yeah. something that will let you know and you're knowing that you are on the right track, which leads me to mindfulness. Yes. Let's talk about that. What does mindfulness mean to you? Um, mindfulness is about being intentional, mm-hmm. being to be and to be responsible. So it's being intentional, being, mm-hmm. and then responsibility. Responsibility for yourself and how right. you're showing up in a how space. You're showing up in a space. So what do you tell the client? What do you tell a young boy about showing up and making sure that he's mindful? How do you break that down for somebody who's 16 years old, though? Well, I try to, well, firstly, I try to help them to develop a lexicon mm-hmm. because that's important um, because uh, Dr. A.R. Bernard says he who controls the conversation, he who controls the language controls the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I definitely want them to have a seat at the table to be a part of the conversation. So I try to teach them the clinical words. I try to teach them the SAT words mm-hmm. because they need to know that. Um, but I would say through inculcation, like just through repetition, like I tell them all the time, like how you show up determines your success or failure. And I tell them, I say, listen, me and my business partner, Jeff, we tell the young man we're talking to now that we're dealing with now, we tell him, hey, look, you're, the life that you want to have is waiting for you, but you have, you have to catch up to it, right? Absolutely. But you have to make the choices to get to that life. 
we can you know lead a horse to water, but we can't make you drink. Right. And that's not our job. Mm-hmm. We're just, our job is to let you know that that life is possible for you. But you control how you show up. You control your brand identity. You control your unique expression of your Absolutely. brand identity. You control all of those things. You have so much more um, say so in this than you realize. Right. And I think that goes for kids, adults, everybody. Everybody, everybody yeah. doesn't realize how much control they actually have. And that sometimes it starts with the baby steps, but the more you can make decisions from a place of empowerment and control. As, a, as opposed to lack. Exactly. And desperation. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, And that's it. That's a, even with, you're right, even with some CEOs that I've coached, mm-hmm. it's just like, what? Like how you, you know, I'm like, you the CEO, bro. Like what's, right. you the CEO, sis? Like what's, what's going on? You know what I mean? You in the number one seat. You the number one seat. And you don't even know how to show up. How do you expect the rest of your company to show up? Right. If you don't know how, you know what I mean? And that just trickles down. From and the, it just if that, if that's down. what's going on at the head, that is exactly what's going to trickle down into the body. Absolutely. Got it. So shifting gears a little bit, what does a typical day look like for Purvis? As of late, just meetings, pun meetings, pun mm-hmm. meetings. Um, because uh, the, the new program that we're doing, Alchemic Solutions, um, which I was talking about with the young man, was basically is helping the young men to tap, to tap into their inner alchemist, right? Okay. You know, everybody has the ability to change their life, change the, the molecular structure of their life. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like, so like, I'm really in love with this because it's like, um, we're getting some great results. So we're meeting with a lot of institutions, colleges, mm-hmm. high schools, like literally like every day has been like meetings, meetings, meetings. And then we actually have our sessions with, with our young men. Um, typical day though, is like gym, then it's emails, mm-hmm. then it's phone calls, then it's maybe a Skype session because I have clients in the Middle East. I have clients in Sweden. Oh, so wow. it's like, yeah, so it's like, you know, and then... <sighs> If you book a session with me, this is a sidebar. If you book a session with me, please show up on time for your <laughs> session because I don't like sitting up there waiting. I'm like, this is brothers in Kuwait. Like, dude, like you said two o'clock, be here on two o'clock. But that's all the Well, you know what? Let's, let's stick yeah, on that for a yeah. second because I have a thing about time. Yeah. And, you know, in Manhattan, of course, you got to give people five to 10 minute grace period. Because yeah, because train, trains, train gets stuck. MTA yeah. is, I won't defame me, MTA yeah. on the podcast, but you know, MTA has issues, right? Yes. But my thing is, if you can't make every effort to meet me on time, that tells me you don't respect my time. And if you don't respect my time, you don't value me. And people, that is like a hard message for people to get. And it's such a low hanging. And you won't get your full hour. Yes. And you're still going to pay me fruit. and you're going to still pay me for the session, for the hour, but you're not going to get your full hour. And that speaks to valuing yourself too. Absolutely. Saying I'm not making adjustments because you couldn't get here yeah. on time. So it's a, it's an important lesson, I think, for entrepreneurs especially, but for people in general. Like part of, I think, dream realization and exhausting your potential is being very disciplined. And that doesn't mean that everybody else is going to be disciplined, right? So other people don't have that discipline. So they'll try to derail you and it's not your but responsibility. You know, but also too, they don't notice like until they're in your shoes. Right, true. See, people have to learn a lot of times through experience, mm-hmm. right? So I don't have to touch the oven to know that it's hot, but a lot right. of people do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but to, to to answer your question, so like Jim, well, no, 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 quiet time. Right. I'm reading important. I'm reading my word. I'm reading my word in the morning. I'm praying um, and I sit, I try to sit in silence for at least like half an hour because that's where God deposits a lot of stuff mm-hmm. in me, a lot of concepts, a lot of thoughts, a lot of words, a lot of messaging that I that I put out, a lot of that, you know, 99% of that comes from that time. Then it's gym. Then it's like clients. Mm-hmm. If I have clients or it's meetings or emails or pitching myself or meet, you know what I mean? It's a lot of that. A lot of, you know, 
pitching yourself to organizations right. and sending, you know, creating uh, one sheets and like tailoring one sheets for this organization because their needs may not be their this right. organization's needs. So it's it's a lot of it's a lot of tedious work that people don't people don't get it. And, they don't get it. And part of being an entrepreneur is being a salesperson. Yeah. Period. And I think because we are in this digital age, yeah. like I've seen it happen. People come up with a really hot idea and they put it out there into the world. IG, you know, Facebook, and they're like, I'm doing this thing. I'm catering. I'm a graphic designer. I started a business. I started a consulting firm. And I'm a life coach. Yes. And, and I'm a life coach. Yeah. Look me up for an Look initial session. Right. <laughs> and then the buzz is there. Yeah. And then when it dies down, they're like, nobody's calling me. I don't, you know, I don't have any business. And I'm like, well, what else are you doing? Like you, you, it has to be a consistent thing. You got to be out there selling yourself and promoting your brand day in and day out. And that's, and that's the, and that's the thing is like, it's a lot of, I'm consistent. Like the first, I will say like the first time in six years, I didn't post Mm -hmm. something on Instagram. And it was just like, oh, this is, this is interesting to not post and not be tied to my phone. Um, but you're right. You have to be consistent. I've gotten clients because they follow me for literally like four years. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, now I want to hire you. You know what four I mean? Four years. Wow. That's, that's, that's but, putting a lot of work. But yeah. that's mm-hmm. but that's why I, you know, I think social media is great. Yeah. But for the work that I do, it has to be like on the ground running. Like mm-hmm. it can't be just social media. It has to be like tangible, like real, right. real life in person because people don't, you know, they don't know. Right. Especially in, in this field. That is true. And I know for me, like what I struggle with when I started this, you know, podcast and and got into this space is like everybody's doing a podcast. Right. So, you know, you come out and you're like, I'm doing my thing. And people are like, oh, that's cute. But I know in their minds, they're probably thinking not everyone, but a lot of people. Here we go. Somebody else on the podcast. And you might get that in your business, too. Right. Yeah another life coach. So all those other things. And I think that time of, you know, whether you call it prayer or meditation or a contemplative, you know, a half hour or what have you, is important to get those unique ideas that set you apart. And we just live in a day and age where there needs to be repeated and consistent exposure before people really deposit it in their minds and say, okay, this is a a real brand. It's a brand that's here to stay. Then also too, like a lot of people that know you, like that's, you know, they call that proximity blindness. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you're too close to them. So they don't really see it. I like that proximity blindness. Yeah. So it's like, they don't, they don't really see it. It's like my family. It took for me to be on BET coaching Lisa Nicole Carson for my family to be like, oh, that's what he does. But I was doing that. (laughs) That. You know what I mean? Like right. I've been coached. Like you, I was in Black Enterprise. I was, in, you know, mm-hmm. I was doing, I, I was doing work at Yale. Like you know what I mean? Like that's what took TV. Oh, got it. Right. And I've heard people say, you know, when I was in private practice full time, a classmate, a fellow GW law alum, had introduced me to uh, another alum who was had been in the business as a lawyer for a couple of years, and she was on two coasts. She was doing panels. I mean, all these great things had a, a client base. And then so when I said to him, oh, I, I met up with so-and-so, he was like, yeah, she got her little practice. That's cute. And he like completely minimized the entire situation. But I'm like, no, this woman is making it happen. Like yeah. she's out there generating revenue. She's being seen, what have you. And I never heard it described as proximity blindness. But I'm going to have to use that now. Yeah, because you're so close. They can't see you like driving, you know, like you can't right. see it. Absolutely. You can't see it. So whose story do you draw inspiration from? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say my first muse um, besides uh, Michael Jackson and the Jackson family mm-hmm. in general, um, Gordon Parks. Gordon Parks. Yeah. The photographer. Yeah. Why him? He had this book called A Hungry Heart. Mm-hmm. And I just loved his story. Like, he was just so honest. Like, I had never read an autobiography where you know, you can tell, like, he didn't leave a lot out. 
Because mm-hmm. he didn't paint him in the best light. He didn't paint he him did, in the didn't, best he didn't, light. He didn't paint himself in the best light. And I just was just intrigued by a man who's a photographer, who's the first African-American man to direct a major studio film. I didn't know that, really. Superfly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And, you know, just respected all across the board, like, you know, as a photographer, as a screenwriter, as a, you know, what I mean, he was like one of the first people to do it. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't get his his due in my mind. But I just love this whole narrative coming from the South and just, just everything about it. And I love that honesty. And that's the thing. I was just like, oh, this guy's transparent. And so that was like really that's part of my coaching mm-hmm. and what I do, especially when I'm working with young men. I say to them, yo, I was sexually abused. Yes, I was bullied. Yes, my dad died of heroin overdose. Yes, we've experienced poverty. Yes, we've experienced this, this and that. And this, 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 this. Yes, I've tried to commit suicide. Yes. And that's that's that kind of helped me because I found that very attractive to be just complete, you know, where nobody can hold anything over you. And that's the whole thing. It's like we we talked about just in the last episode, this culture of shame that we live in. Yeah. But when you put it no, all out there, it's no like there is nothing that you can hold over my head because it's yeah. out there. Yeah. And then really, when you think about it, there's nothing new under the sun right. anyway. You know what I mean? It's just the the power, the power secret holds over you is in keeping it. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's not the secret. It's just in keeping it. The Absolutely. Shame. Yeah. So how do you come back after? How old were you when you attempted suicide? Was a few times. Um, um, teen years. So how do you move past that? Especially if it, it's happened repeatedly. At yeah. some point there was a shift. So how do you, you move past that suicidal state to, to where you are now and helping I others? I told you imagination, mm-hmm. curiosity. I Something kept saying there's more, there's more, there's more. And I like held on, you know, next thing you know, a year goes by, there's more. Mm-hmm. Another year goes by, there's more. Next thing you know, you're a college graduate, there's more. Next thing you know, you're living in New York, there's more. Next thing you know, you're signing the Wilhelmina Models, more. Next thing you know, you're working at Def Jam, there's more. You know, next thing you know, you've published your first book that's been sold internationally. Mm-hmm. You know, there's more. Next thing you know, you're on TV. Next thing you know, you wrote a book, you're on a Today Show. Next thing you know, you know I me, mean? there's more, there's more, there's more. Just that curiosity about what was more. And then just believing that God had a purpose for my life mm-hmm. and really embracing that, right? Because I think it's cliche. We can say that, oh God. Right. Da, 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 da. We all say it. Mm-hmm. We all say it. But I know it. I know it. That's real. Even even when I have $2 in my account, mm-hmm. I know it. And that's the thing that keeps me from going over the edge. Right. And I know that Jesus has a plan for me. There is a plan for, There's a for plan all of us. For all of us. So let's talk about your plan because yeah. you got multiple giftings, right? You're, yeah. you're moving in a few of them right now, but then you've also got this other thing, the modeling and the acting. Yeah. So are you ever going to go back to that? You know, that's a lot of rejection. Jeez. It is a lot of, a Jeez. lot of no. Um, thankfully, a lot of my friends are like really successful. So hopefully they'll like, <laughs> give, you a they'll me out give me a little cameo. Like my boy is like directing, you know, season three of Insecure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my friend sues on This Is Us and denies and Black Panther doing the dang on thing. And my love, friends are like, love, love. <laughs> yeah, like my boy Warner, my boy Stephen Hills on Magnum P.I. now. Like it's, you know, just hope, you know. Hopefully they'll direct something and be like, yo, Purvis, mm-hmm. you want to come do something? You shouldn't yeah. let it go. I mean, as someone who has really varied creative I pursuits. Still pay, I still I still have my SAG card. I still oh, pay my SAG you. dues. So yeah. you SAG member and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still, I still have it just in case. I mean, it's something that's always in, you know, like, I guess that's the thing, like, I would really feel actualized when that thing, like, right. really happens. Like, I just need to be on one episode of Law & Order SVU and I'm good. <laughs> 
I'm Gucci. And that show's never going off the that air. That show so is never going off the air. I just need one episode, two, three lines. You know, I have Law & Order stories. So I had a callback. Mm-hmm. So you auditioned for Law, Law & Order. So how it is, you auditioned for John Strauss, who was the casting director at, t- okay. at the time. Now he's a producer on the show. So I auditioned for him. I was like, okay, whatever. Da, da, da. And they're like, okay, we want to see Purvis again. I'm like, okay, cool. So he's like, oh, it's just going to be me and a couple people. I go into the casting room. It's Dick Wolf and Let me every find out. producer <laughs> on Lone Order. So it's like 10 of them up What in role there. were you auditioning? It was for? a line. One it line was like, that everybody was, like, was in there? It was like, everybody over this way. And did you see like the dead body? It's like, I was like, <laughs> you know, the, the reaction, that was it, right? And <laughs> They had the whole squad. They had the line. whole squad. And I was just like, I wasn't ready, but I still think I killed it. But it was, it was open. It was open ethnicity. It was between me and this Asian guy. I think okay. the Asian guy, I saw the episode. He, he, he ended up booking it. But yeah, that's my law and order story. Yeah. I love that they had Dick Wolf and everybody. Yo, he was like, hi, I'm Dick Wolf. I was like, what? Let me tell you. Okay. So I actually had the talent manager and was out with the agents as a child. Really? Yes. I would get these, these calls for auditions and without going all the way into the story, I decided this what I wanted to do. Like, I was always involved in like the arts in school and I was like, I'm going to find a manager, an agent. And, like I found one. I told my mom this is what I was going to do and she couldn't be there with me but I got this appointment and I took a cab there. I was like 12 or something and auditioned with this talent manager and like booked it to be signed to them before, you know, my mom came. But I remember the first go-see I went on mm. and, you know, they say, oh, we, you know, we want girls between this age and this age and this is what it's for and I thought it was so cool until I walked in the room and I saw, I don't a know sea. how many, it was like a, a sea. sea of girls who looked like me, didn't look like me. And I'm like, really? Dude, let me tell you, that life, that, you know, audition. I remember auditioning for Red Tails. It was like, it was like every black man that was an actor <laughs> in that casting room. And I'm like nervous because, you know, you're nervous. And it's like, these are major casting rooms. Mm-hmm. You know, um, George Lucas produced Red Tails, right? So yes. I'm like, oh my God, this is made. So I'm like, got sweat stains all, like, all on my shirt. I'm in the bathroom trying to like, you know, calm down. And it was just, it was, I don't miss that. Yeah, I, you know, at one point in, in, in my life, I may get back to that or music is also my thing. But I always said that it will be when I have like enough resources to just create something myself, create my own vehicle. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like I, I still love music. It's funny, my uh, one of my good friends, he manages Estelle mm-hmm. and he's always sending me music and like what do you think about this because I always had a good ear for yeah. music I was always like that should be the single that's gonna be the hit this person's a star they're not a star like mm-hmm. I, and I I had a really good track record so I still have that in me and like I said I still love I still love the arts I still love movies I've seen everything I watch almost everything on TV because I love acting so sure. much but um, it hasn't trumped coaching as of yet got it yeah. So it's another outlet. It's another outlet. But, you know, coaching is your thing. That's where your anointing is. Yeah, right I think now. that's like where the anointing is, is mm-hmm. heaviest. Got it. So, quick, favorite show on TV right now? Oh, this is going to be, y'all going to laugh at me. Forensic Files. Forensic Files. Yeah. And then next, SpongeBob. Come on. I'm just, yes. First of all, I'm definitely not watching SpongeBob. <laughs> and I don't even think I've ever, I think Forensic Files is one of those shows, like, I may have passed it. But I don't think I've watched Yo, it. Yo, listen. Seriously. You can't commit a crime. That DNA will well, find true. you out. That's that DNA, true. you know that as a I lawyer. Know that, yes. It will find you out. So Forensic Files. That is not the answer I was expecting, but I can roll you, with that. You, you ask. 
asked. I asked, and you gave an honest answer. I and gave I an honest forensic files and on par SpongeBob. On par is SpongeBob still on for real? Yes. Like new episodes? Well, see now. Let me qualify that. So seasons one through four. That's me. That's okay. new stuff. I can't. Yeah. Yeah, and I see like the 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 meme the memes or whatever with SpongeBob references, and like I don't. I never watched. Yeah, SpongeBob. you got. I, I mean, it's know. it's really existential. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll check out. Is it on Netflix? I don't have cable. Is it on Netflix? It's on it's on Amazon Prime. Got it. I am a Prime video. Yeah, member. and 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 that's the seasons you will enjoy is from one, one through four. One through what four. is so existential? Now I'm curious. What's so existential about it? I mean, because oh, no one, you just like, why are kids watching this? Because this is <laughs> totally adult sense of humor. Yes. I, I did know that, that it's a lot of adult humor. And it's a lot of innuendo. They're okay. just like, these kids won't understand this. This is it's like really wow, this is on Nickelodeon. Like they're saying some crazy stuff. <laughs> but yeah, you have to just be in tune to see it. Seasons one through four of SpongeBob. But you know what I recently enjoyed though, since you real TV mm-hmm. now, um, Dear White People season two. See, I'm I am behind. I'm so slow with shows. I, not only have I not seen Dear White People the show, I haven't even seen Dear White People the movie. Wow. So I'm I'm I am delayed. On, so on what that. TV do you watch? Billions. It's like the third time I brought it up on this. Uh, on this podcast I always flip through that No you Like gotta, I always see Billions on Showtime But I'm just like I have to watch it You gotta right? get with the program right. You know it is a lot of It's their lawyers on the show So okay, I'm, so I'm partial to lawyer yeah. shows But it's a lot of maneuvering And backdoor deals And getting over on people Do you watch How to get away with murder? Yes I do So let me tell you About how to get away with murder though <laughs> Those law students Get on my nerves <laughs> Is that, that wouldn't even really happen in real life, right? <laughs> no. They're so over the top and just anxious and making wrong moves all the time. I'm like, if you're going to be out here committing crimes, I'm going to need you to be a little bit more calm. A little bit more calm and yes, savvy. exactly. A little more savvy. But I started watching the show because of Auntie Viola. Yeah, so Auntie, Auntie, Vi, Auntie, Auntie Vi is yes, great on there. Yes, so I watched for her. You got to support, you know, when yeah. it is a lead. The lead is a person of color. Absolutely. And you, you got to, you know, I'm definitely rooting for everybody black. Me so, too. Um, Me too. You got to watch... For that reason alone. So in the beginning, I was like, oh, I'm trying to stick with this, but these law students are getting on my <laughs> nerves. And it's so salacious, and there is a, a level of like suspension of disbelief that, yeah. that goes along with it. But then it just hooks you in, and you got to watch it. So, Billions, How to Get Away with Murder. I did watch Scandal through yeah. uh, the finale. I'm a huge Shark Tank fan as well. Really? That's not shocking to me. Yes, I'm all about startups and entrepreneurship and pitching and, and what have you. So that's all right. It. Yeah, but I don't. I haven't seen SVU in like five years. So. I watched SVU for the first time in like two years. So what? So what? I when I go home for Christmas, me and my nephew, we literally watch SVU marathons mm-hmm. on USA. Because you can always find you can one. Watch, on. find it. You find. I, listen on every <laughs> channel. We watch uh, the marathons. That's yes. how I get caught up. And I, I think that's the, I haven't had cable for like maybe that long. And I think that's why I haven't seen it because, you know, back, back when I had cable, it's like you just turned it on and there it yeah. is. Yeah. How does, how's life without cable? Life without cable is great. It took me a I while. I bet to, it is. It's, <laughs> you're not down with the cable. No, life? no. And re- I wasn't even being funny. I'm, <laughs> I'm being serious because it's like cable just has a lot of nothingness on it. Exactly. You know what I mean? And so like, at least with Netflix and Hulu and Amazon mm-hmm. Prime, you can like, kind of like, this is what I want to watch. Right. <laughs> And it's there. Shout out to the ambient noise. We're in Manhattan with an open window. We're going to keep it in. So this is real rugged and uh, organic, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, So in any case, so yes, I decided and I did that. It wasn't like I made the decision for reasons of needing to be more disciplined or whatever. To keep it all the way real, I needed to cut expenses. That entrepreneurial life. I was like, I got to figure something out. So I looked at everything, you know. And that was the thing that had to go. That was one of the things that had to go. There were many things that went, but that was one of the 
other things. And I was like, you know what? I don't really have the time to watch cable anyway. And you know, yeah. the one thing I always say about entrepreneurship, I always say it's like the best way to get to know who you are. Absolutely. Because you have no choice because mm-hmm. a lot of times it's just you. Yep. <laughs> In the it conversation is with you. You having internal dialogue about what to do next, how to resolve some problems. And so then you're like, yo, I got a $10,000 check, but damn, I can't even celebrate that because I got to pay this. 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 In one hand. In one hand and out the other. And if you don't know where the next check is coming from. And then you're like panicking. Yeah. You're like, oh my gosh, I got a $10,000 check coming, but then I got to hustle up and get another 10, Exactly. Then, that's why I tell people, people are like, why are you so um, expensive? I was like, because of that. The overhead. The and overhead. further, $10,000 when you're an entrepreneur is not $10,000. Taxes, all the expenses yeah. to actually obtain, you know, that, the acquisition cost, to actually get the client. It's not 10 grand. People don't understand that. It's, Yeah. So, so yeah. I have to get, so I'm like, yo, I have to get the, the hundred grand. I have to get the 50,000. I have to get those because that's the only way I'm going to be able to truly, truly live. Exactly. You know what I mean? Other these, you know, and I'm grateful. Thank you God for the increase, but you know, yes. I need the hundred, the million dollars. I'm with you there. I, I'm not against money. Okay. But yeah, so cable was one of the things that All went money for matters. me. All money matters. <laughs> <laughs> I can dig it. Um, and then, yeah, even when my financial situation changed, I was like, I don't miss it. So I just rock right. with my, you know, subscriptions and that's it. And it, it also cut down on just like mindless TV yeah. because, you know, you turn it on for a purpose generally to look for something specific. So I don't use a TV as background noise. You can stop by my home and I'll just be in there in like silence, which is weird to other people. But for me, and it's that's normal. Not that's not yeah. weird to me either. So before I let you get out of here, you shared a lot, but I always ask this question yes. and I warned you. Yes. Describe an experience when you had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. That's every day. <laughs> um, let's see. I was trying to think about it, but mm-hmm. so many things kept coming into my mind. Um, this is going to be really transparent. I can't believe I'm sharing this. I'm ex- so, I love when people start with, I can't believe I'm sharing this. That means it's a very vulnerable moment. Very vulnerable moment. So the house I was living in, I've been living there for a long time um, because it was a friend of mine, her mother owned the building. So okay. I was paying next to nothing in rent, which is great, right? For right. entrepreneur, right? But, and I'm trying to say this carefully because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. But for some reason, we ended up with a rodent infestation, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to like figure that whole thing out. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, how am I supposed to, you know, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't do, you know, because the, the hitter and, and I'm being kind with the word rodent. Oh man. Yeah. I'm being very kind with that. And I remember when it happened, I had to go speak the next day when I had already signed up to speak at this young men of color conference at um, Philston day school mm-hmm. in Riverdale. And I just, I was, I was depressed because I was like, yo, like I need to get out of here. Like I don't, you know, nothing and nothing was happening. Like mm-hmm. no clients, nothing. It was just dead silence. Static. Just mm-hmm. static. And I went and I spoke to those young men. No, not even the, I trained the staff. Yeah. I was not the young men. I was training the staff. And they were like, oh my God. You know, these people were like, oh my God, that was the best workshop I've ever had in my life. And da, 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 da. And I was just like, wow, God. Like, and these people have no idea that I'm going home to rats. Ugh. And they have no idea that I'm going home to like, I don't know what the what the heck is going to be there when I get, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, 
no idea. So that was that was an extreme, extreme case. But I'm no longer there. So praise I love God. That story. Hallelujah. And it also talks about how you present yourself to the world, no matter what is going on. Yeah, you have to Back learn how to. Mm-hmm. You have to learn. You know, and in that space, you know, mindfulness. You know, curiosity, imagination. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there. I was at this ritzy, upscale private school. Oh, I know about day schools. I went to one. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, I'm at I'm at at a ritzy day school, and all is well in that moment. Food. I'm getting paid for this gig, mm-hmm. and you know, all is well in that moment. In that moment, I love that. Yeah. So, what's on the horizon for you? Um, a lot. Um, probably gonna write another book, but on June second, I'm doing a workshop called Discover Your It Factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's really something I'm really excited about because um, so many people are trying to live other people's it factor and not Absolutely. their own, not their own. So I'm gonna, you know, it's gonna be a time. It's gonna be very interactive. We're gonna have icebreakers. We're gonna have a lot of demonstration, a lot of um, interaction with various coaches and things like that. Um, I actually wanted Rudy to be one of the coaches. Is there, but Rudy he's Racine. yeah, Rudy's gonna be in Vegas living okay. his best life. Um, but yeah, no, it's just it's really helping you to understand the thing that's gonna help your life pop, awesome. right? And helping you to tap into that. And so it's like a combination of things, and you know, I'll explain, I'll explain kind of like the formula uh, for it. But yeah, I have that happening on the 2nd of June in New York City and uh, doing the alchemic solutions with the young men. Hopefully, that's gonna be in various school districts and things like that. So, God willing. That's going to spread um, Writing another book Probably a memoir About a lot of things That I've been through mm-hmm. Including the the rodent situation Oh man that's the worst <laughs> And I was thinking The book would be called Cheap Rent Still Cost That is the truth That's one of the realest <laughs> things I've ever heard <laughs> Cheap Rent Still Cost Um yeah, just a lot of, yeah, just a memoir about that. And just hopefully just continue to, you know, expand my my client base. I definitely want to go to L.A. more and coach mm-hmm. people out there because, you know, a lot of people are open to coaching out there. A lot sure. of celebrities are um, in, in going global. Like I would love to, you know, speak in, you know, Dubai. I would love to speak in Nigeria. I would love to speak in S.A. I would love to speak in London, you know. Um, and those things, I think, are on the horizon. So just going awesome. international. OK, so for your disto- Discover Your It Factor. Workshop is registration still open? Yes, registration is still open. It is. Um, you go to itfactorworkshop.eventbrite.com. Itfactorworkshop.eventbrite.com. Yes. And where else can people find you online? Um, social media. I'm at Purvis Taylor, P E R V I S T A Y L O R. And I have a website, purvistaylor.com. Well, I appreciate. Mm you coming on the December 2026er podcast. I really enjoyed this. I hope you did as well. Oh, it was awesome. To our listeners, please go find Purvis online. Look for his workshops. Look for his books. He is the real deal. And do not forget to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening you for to the listening December 26th, 26th podcast. podcast. I am your host, am your Delisha. Delisha. This, this episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa, and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26th. That's December 26ER.